It's time to go to work. Former WWE Cruiserweight Classic participant Ant Bennett, and right now you're listening to Sunset Flip Radio. Hey guys, we are back and better than ever here on Sunset Flip Radio. As always, I'm your co-host, $100 Man Thomas Lisi. Always joined with, with the most handsome dad and daughter on the phone, Alex Drayton. Yeah. And Mr. Wonderful, who is also on the phone today, Jeff. Mr. Wonderful Jeff Noise. Yeah. Jeff, what's going on? What up, man? Just driving around, driving around buying toys all freaking day. That is true. But before, well, before you started buying toys, me and Jeff had the pleasure of sitting down with NJPW star Fred Rosser, and it was such an awesome interview. Um, You know, we can't thank Fred enough for coming on the show with us. Now, the way we're doing this episode today is because the Fred Rosser interview is already taped. We will be placing that after we're done talking here. So after we're done talking, the three of us, then you hear a full-length um, interview with Fred Rosser. And Jeff, I think you can agree with me how much he went into detail about his Block the Hate campaign and all the stuff during WWE. And, you know, the cool thing about the guy is he's a very humble person. And I don't think that he has any regrets or seem phased about his time in WWE except the beginning of NXT where he goes into depth a little bit, how he really didn't enjoy that. But I won't say anything else. I've figured everybody else will listen to the interview, but I mean, I, I, he seemed like a humble guy, Jeff, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, he had the same opinion that all of us did as fans watching the first season of NXT, which was honestly hot garbage where they had this stupid game show, like, like this game show event. Like it was so dumb. But it was very bad. At the end of the day, it developed a lot of it developed a lot of great talent, so that was really cool. But it was really interesting to hear his point of view on that. But also, you know, we talk a lot about AEW. We talk a lot about WWE. So it was really nice to, getting to talk to him about NJPW. So make sure you stay on the line and check out that whole interview with him because it was badass. Yeah, it was um, really good. Stick through it and listen at the end. I, I'm bummed that I missed that interview. Uh, you know, I had to work, so yay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, you hey, what are you, really you going to work for? What, you have a daughter at home or something? Yeah. Uh, you know, I have a couple mouths to feed. You know. <laughs> well, you well know? If, you, if you listen you know, closely. Not, not everybody could be a... a, a a great man like you, Big Jeff. And, you know, so <laughs> right. let's segue a little bit into what I woke up to this morning, which was, like, something I was like, wait, I, I had wiped the coal out of my eyes getting up to work, and I was like, what the hell did I just see? And then, you know, you posted, and I'm not going to steal your thunder here, something that really caught my attention. Oh, yeah. And I was like, dude, this is big. And well, even my wife looked. She sent me, she turned her phone to me and was like, look, because uh, I believe she follows you too, Jeff. And uh, go yeah. ahead, take it away. Yeah. So can't bury the lead here. <laughs> so the cat's out of the bag. If you're on my social media, Facebook, Instagram, Noise Toys. Mm, cheap plug. Like that. Cheap plug. 
But August 14th in Bayville, New Jersey, Big Jeff Noise. It's the bowels of Bayville, right? Oh, yeah. Stepping back into the ring. Wow. Placing him up again. I am going to be in a fatal four-way match for the Tri-State Championship three other dudes who are also well over 300 pounds. It's a lot so of meat. This match, they, they That's a lot of meat for each ring. Reinforce the ring tonight, boy. Yeah, they should oh make it a baconator on a pole, baby, because we got some meat. <laughs> oh, right. my this match, this match is going to be crazy. I'm telling you right now, you're not going to want to miss this. We're going to beat the holy hell out of each other. If you come out of those, um, this, dog, this camping, one of my personal, uh, dude, you're never gonna hear the end of it if I come out of camping. I, 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 <laughs> us or fans, I can't. Oh my god, then we're gonna have a, you, a you, you won't, you will not be show. known as Mister Wonderful Jeff Noise anymore. You'll be known as the Tri-State Tri World Heavy Tri-State World Heavyweight Champion. The Tri-State Champion. 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 I got New Jersey tattooed on me. I got Philly tattooed on me. I am the Tri-State. That's, right? that's the gimmick, man. I am the Tri-State. I deserve this championship. And August 14th, if you need tickets, hit me up. Make sure you come and check this one out. You know what's really funny? Wow. I, you got to get in there, Tom. <laughs> what are we doing for this? Hold on. Well, before I talk about what I wanted to do, before you said that, I'm just thinking in my mind that that was just a straight promo that you've been saving up for years. To talk about how you devoted yeah. about how you devoted your body to the state of New Jersey, and now, and now you're going to be representing the state of New Jersey in this fatal four-way match on August 14th. And you know what? It, even if I have to work, I figured. Well, it starts at six, so that means that you yeah. probably won't go on to what, like eight eight thirty. I'm probably. I think that match is going to be an event. Yeah, it's going to be an event. Yeah, I would, I would think so. It's and a championship. Unless this is the WWE and they it's gonna Yeah, it's going to be an event. So even if I have to work, I'm still coming after work and I will be there. And I already have my sign ready. And I really I really hope I get like a little smile out of you when you walk down the ramp because I'm going to be going nuts. Yeah, we're going to try to break kayfabe here. Oh, yeah. On top of it, I just picked up, uh, well, I'm getting custom fit for some new gear. On top of it. Cool. So I'm gonna take you. Put the logo in the gear. Put our logo in the gear. You won't do it. I thought about it. Give me a patch. Right, <laughs> right on the cod piece. I should, right, uh, I'm right straight on the up gonna just look like a NASCAR. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever wants to sponsor me, pay me a little something. Right yeah, you're, you're gonna oh, have. He, he sold his windshield. Fig Newtons. I love. Fig you're, you're gonna you're gonna have noise. Okay, you're gonna have noise toys on the front. But I love Fig Newtons. You can have Noe toys oh, in the yeah. front, and then Sunset Flip Radio on the ass, and just say "Follow us, oh, yeah. follow us" with an arrow down pointing to your ass where the Sunset right. Flip logo is. So, wow! So if you don't come out, I'm an ass man. Bow, bow. So also with the show, it's a combination of two wrestling companies. It's Titan oh, oh. Championship Wrestling and Oh, that's what Yeah. So it's a combination okay. of these two companies going head to head against each other. Okay. Oh, I like that. So that's yeah. pretty cool. So, so it's like really fun night. So it's like that's for sure. So it's like a uh, it's like inter it's like cross promotional battle royal. See what company's better. Exactly. 
Uh, no, I mean, yeah, if, they're knocking down the forbidden door there. Again, segue back into what we talk about on the daily. Here. Again, we're gonna put this on the calendar, August fourteenth, Bayville, New Jersey. Come out and come support Mr. Wonderful Jeff Noise, uh, Russell. A week before SummerSlam. Yeah, we? we're gonna be there. We're gonna yeah. have our uh, our prediction show for that event the week before. <laughs> but uh, no, but <laughs> it's it's really exciting, Jeff. And you know, I'm happy for you. I'm happy to see you. I never seen you wrestle. <laughs> I've seen you wrestle on yeah, you. I've seen you wrestle on YouTube against. You see me. You see me on YouTube, but not physically in person. <laughs> yeah. And let me tell you, wow. it's a whole other animal. It's a whole other animal, and I am a whole other animal in person. Well, you know what? Also, what is, I mean, what's your persona? What's the persona I seen? What is just Big Jeff now? I'm Big Jeff Noise, baby. Could have been the collector. You could have been a contender. <laughs> could have been a contender. So, I'll just wait till you see my gear. So, are right. you gonna are, are you gonna be using Christian's WWF song or his <laughs> AEW Fuck music? Christian. <laughs> Fuck him. Well, I'm I am working on a new move set for this show. <laughs> I might be stealing something from that little bitch. And me wow. Who knows? Well, you, well, you know what? You said you're like seventy pounds lighter now, so maybe, maybe you can steal a little this bit. Is the of, maybe the I've ever wrestled, cat-like. Maybe you can do some yeah. flippy dippy bullshit. The I'm ever gonna be in the ring. Maybe you it's can steal. Flippy yeah, steal Ricochet's thunder and do some flippy dippy bullshit. Well, you never know what's gonna happen. I well, know the guys that I'm gonna be in the ring with are pretty damn tough, so okay. they can take whatever I'm gonna dish out to them. Just, I don't think they can take it for the whole time, baby, because I'm taking it. So you got to dish out a couple chops, because if you don't chop any of those big guys, I'm going to be definitely yeah. upset. Well, I have cut we people some chops from Jacob Fatu this right. weekend that were crazy. Yeah, those are pretty good. Yeah, well, I had people tell me that they won't take chops for me anymore, and they got it, because fuck Ooh. them, I do what I want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm the king of chops. <laughs> <laughs> the king of the chops, Mr. The, Jeff Noise. The king of chops needs to grow mutton chops in a month. Yeah. Well, I have a gigantic beard, so it's good enough. No, I'm really, uh, I'm really excited. You know what? I'm gonna make a sign. I already have it planned about what what it's gonna say, and uh, I, I, I really hope <laughs> it's gonna say turn my page. <laughs> I, 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 I really hope when you walk down the aisle and you see my sign, I get like a little chuckle out of you, just because it's. It's going to be funny. I thought about it this morning, actually. I was like, I'm going to do this when Jeff wrestles. So, no, but, I mean, listen, you know, we're all happy well, for you. you're going to have to text me on the side. I got I to gotta know yeah. about this. Yeah, we're all happy for you, but. Don't tell me I want to be surprised. I know. I'm not going to say right. shit. And you know what? You know what's really funny? Anybody that knows me knows that I I can keep a secret. If, if I can keep a secret if someone asks me to, but. I really can't keep a secret if it's something that I have planned. Like I'll tell my wife her birthday gift like two days before her birthday, and stuff like that. Yeah, so like I'm not that good. I'm not that good with that. But a secret that is, well, I guess you can say a secret that is something that no one saw coming. No, this is totally sarcastic. Is AEW <laughs> has decided to let's not have Jungle Boy, who is such a young, talented wrestler. You know, make some more progress in the heavyweight division. Let's not do that. Let's have him lose a national television on a Saturday Night Dynamite in a one hell of a match. And then let's have him get saved by Christian Cage. So. Uh, uh -huh. So now what, uh -huh. a what AEW has decided so to do 
is they're deciding yeah, to yeah. have they're they're deciding to have Christian Cage help Jungle Boy, which means that Christian Cage went up against Kenny Omega, you know, held the belt, whatever, and you know wow. the the groundwork has been laid, especially because Christian Cage was the second to last person in that battle royal. So, you know, I guess their theory is let's have him. It's kind of like the theory that's going on right now with Drew. It was with Drew and with Kofi and Bobby. Bobby beat Drew, so now it's Kofi's turn. Kenny Omega beats Jungle Boy, so now it's Christian's turn. I think it's bad booking. Can, dude, can um can Kenny Omega fight anybody like good? Kenny Omega is like, dealing with a labor really issue good. right now. They have no competition. He they, has no competition. It's kind of pathetic. He went through Moxley, and after Moxley, he's got fucking hard garbage. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Jungle Boy's a great, great wrestler. But Jungle Boy is not heavyweight title material yet. Um, no, he's not. You know? Jungle Boy would benefit from young. like an X division championship, like an Impact. I can see Jungle Boy Dude, being a TNT benefits. champion. Exactly. Yeah. He'd be fine with the TNT championship, but 100, he doesn't deserve to be in the same ring with with uh, freaking Kenny Omega right now. He doesn't. No. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, was a, it was a good match. Don't get me wrong. And we all saw the groundwork that Christian was going to get an opportunity, blah, blah, blah. He was in the WWE, blah, blah, blah. Who the <laughs> fuck is he beating in AEW? So um, that goes back to the whole conversation. This goes back to the whole conversation of their horse shit ranking system <laughs> that is hey, a baby here. Dude, it's absolutely useless to have their ranking system. It's pathetic, yep. especially when yep. you're going to have some kind of useless piece of fucking shit like Christian <laughs> as your number one contender. It's a waste of my time. It's a waste of your time. It's a waste of ratings that they're not going to get because it's not going to draw a fucking dime. It's pathetic. <laughs> well, you know what it is. They're, like they're riding. Cake, baby. It's they're, hot in here. They're riding the coattails. It's of the hotter in here than it is outside right they're, now. They're riding the coattails of WWE. Yeah, they're riding the coattails because when when Christian left after the Royal Rumble, everybody had that moment. And then he debuted, and you know you're trying to bring all the WWE Smart Mark fans into AEW now just to watch Christian. But I mean, he doesn't draw. He never drew. He only got his opportunity because it was handed to him because of the unfortunate injury to Edge. But you take all those factors aside, and to me, he's just an average wrestler. I don't think that he can. I think that he's another person that doesn't deserve to be in the ring with Kenny Omega. I mean, right now with Moxley gone. Oh. Um, I mean, look at the challengers that Omega has had for that belt once Moxley was gone. I mean, after he beat Moxley, it was Moxley again, and then it was who? It was Pac, it was Orange Cassidy, and it was now Jungle Boy. So, I mean, when you really dissect the roster of, of, of superstars who are not involved in any programs right now, like, look at the stagnant of the TNT title. This week, you have Miro going up against Brian Pillman Jr., okay? Um, Brian Pillman Jr., young talent, good talent. He was put into attack in the Varsity Blondes, but most of his work is done in AEW Dark. So for him to get an opportunity just because he came in and and helped somebody when Miro was beating him after the bell, does that really deserve a chance at a, at a title belt? No, that just means that Miro is going to squash him. Opportunity. He got an opportunity simply because... His father had a dark side of the ring episode. That and that could yeah, and that really could be it too. And that could Look, be it too. Nothing. Brian Pillman Jr. is really not that good of a wrestler. Really not. He's young. He's developing. 
but that's why he's on dark. He's not on the main roster the majority of the time. The guy absolutely doesn't deserve to be in the ring with championship opportunities. No, and he's and not. Going back to Christian really quick. With Christian, why? they're banking on somebody who's been retired for about nine to ten years and putting him in yep. this main event spot like he's been wrestling for the last ten. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand it. They're falling into the WCW trope. We've said this a million and one times. Now, as far as like, booking, like, listen, they're not doing anything better than WWE is right now because the two of them equally are putting out garbage on different levels for yeah, different shows. Yeah. But I think they're both hurting each other because <laughs> yeah. they're not bringing it as best as we know that they can. Well, I mean, I think WWE yeah. is putting more pressure on themselves because they're going to be facing a live crowd. Meanwhile, AEW as is, they should. Yeah, I mean, and AEW is still trying to put the pieces together because they're still trying to find the right equation to get the most value yeah. out of their superstars to make their headlining acts more popular. Like the fact Sometimes, that we have though, the problem is, is you keep going and trying new things without letting those combinations just kind of cook for a little bit. And then if you have to restart, you restart. They keep doing new things every week and it's hard to catch people's attentions and, you know, create the great storylines that we're all looking for because they keep starting and stopping things and inserting player A with player B. And it's just not working because they're not letting it go. Well, and if those people just don't yeah. have chemistry, I get it, but still. Plus, hey, hey, look at the bright side. They're, they're doing a coffin match in two weeks. You hear about that? Yes, I've seen i seen that. They're doing a coffin match, I a.k.a. Think, casket match. I think, right. With um, Darby Allen. Darby right? Allen and Ethan Page. Now, okay, so let's wow. just say this for now. Once, once uh, Omega squashes Christian... You know, again, we're going up and down the roster. I mean, really, who else is there? I mean, the fact that Jericho and MJF have been having this feud for well long enough now. And, I mean, the inner circle and uh, the pinnacle, I mean, those 10 superstars are staying stagnant in this in this feud that's never going to end. It's just going to be divided into individual feuds between Santana Ortiz and... And uh, I still call him the Revival. And then you got Hager and you got Wardlow and you got Guevara... And uh, now he's facing MJF in two days. And now you got Chris Jericho. So it's just like, I feel like they're hanging on to this feud so much because people just like to see them, like, to see the five-on-five aspect. But, I mean, eventually that has to end. You know what I mean? And I don't see it ending with MJF. It did. I mean, after the blood and guts, which had so much potential and so much hype behind it, and then it was completely abominated on fucking internet by everybody and... All this stuff, and I think it's a better term. Yeah, it it was it was just it went the opposite that they would have thought. And this is again, this is the heels of the whole pyrotechnics incident between Jericho and and Mox. I mean, between Moxley and Omega. So it's kind of like they can't catch a break. But I guess in their mind, what's going to draw money is Christian against Kenny Omega. Now, for people to be entertained, and as as Fred Rosser said today on the interview, to be on the edge of your seat, you want to be kind of in the ring with the wrestlers you want to have that mentality so now i'm not going to be sitting on the edge of my couch watching christian cage who is a a lot older than kenny omega try to keep up with omega because omega can run circles around the guy it just seems like to me that those two guys wrestling is just going to be omega's going to sell the shit out of everything that christian does and then omega's going to hit a v trigger and the match is over that's that's all i see it being that's, that's how it's going to be drawn up because that's how every AEW match is drawn up. 
Yeah. And that's how every champion. That's how every uh, Kenny Omega yep. is going to be. Kenny Omega right. is taking everybody's heat. He's taking all the kind of bullshit. And then he hits the v- 87 V triggers. And then he hits the, I don't know, that wing fucking whatever move. And then, like, we move on. One wing thing. But at the end, yeah, the one, yeah, the one fucking limp dick, whatever. <laughs> so he hits him with that. And, like, the match is over. It's just stagnant, stale bullshit. But why don't you just reach out, like, let Brian Cage branch off from Team Taz, which they've been working on for fucking months now. Just let Brian Cage go away, be his own guy, and put Brian Cage in a match against Kenny Omega. Then at that point, you have something that'll actually draw for a fucking pay-per-view, not Christian Cage and Kenny Omega. Or even... Ha- yeah, no or, buy, there's no buy rate there, Chief. Or even Hangman Adam Page. absolutely no buy rate there. But if you say Brian Cage against Kenny Omega, then you've got some buy rates on a pay-per-view. I think if you put Hangman in yeah. there, too, because of their past as a tag team. Well, I think they're really for that for They're going to work to that, but Hangman needs to be for a big paper. Yeah. Well, he's starting to build a bunch of wins, and he's been doing that for quite some time now because when he first came over, him and Omega were losing. Then they formed that tag team, and you know now they obviously went their separate ways, and they're kind of – they started in the middle. They worked on the outside, and they're slowly coming back together, which I think Hangman's going to be your new champion for a while. Yeah. Um, and that comes well, relatively. The thing, also, the thing also with Hangman Page is that he has the Dark Order with him, and Kenny Omega has the Elite with him, and we all know how much Tony Khan yeah. is a boner for his stables. Oh, so yeah. It makes a lot of sense to have that, but that needs to be... Oh, we're going to get another bloody guts match. <laughs> Would not be surprised. Uh, yeah. surprised. They do a bullshit blood and guts match, and that leads to the actual pay-per-view where you have those two in a big main event. Yeah. I it's just I think Kenny needs to go away for a while and rehab because he's injured. Yeah, he has a t- he 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 has a torn labrum in his shoulder, and this is yeah, this is torn labia too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, no, but I mean the injury news yeah, has been around for a while. Even... The injury Not news has been guy. around for a while, and <laughs> there's plans for him to lose the impact in the in the uh the impact title, and then. He's facing Andrade in Mexico on August 13th, I believe. So if he drops that belt, that's fine. Then he'll just be the AEW world champion. So, I mean, when he drops the yeah, AEW... got to lose. The, the problem with having four belts is eventually you have to lose all four. Yeah. Lose all yeah. yeah. And if you go on a losing streak, like, I mean, then what story are you telling? Okay, he'll lose a couple of these, but Silver ain't taking this. So why did you even bother having him hold these? hostage really while other shows were going on and other promotions doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense because no, it doesn't. Not and especially i mean the aew belt is gonna be the hardest for him to lose because you gotta have, you have to have a good story behind it because the guy basically he's never lost since he left hangman adam page he's been undefeated since then mm. in singles competition i mean he blew through the tournament he beat Omega. I mean, he's beat uh, Moxley to win the belt. I mean, he's been unbeatable since he left Hangman as a singles competitor. Well, see, that's so, to beat yeah. Him. So he's going to be, he's gonna yeah. be running this streak until God knows when. So what AEW has to do is they have to think of a long-term creative plan. And if the long-term creative plan really is Christian, I'll just tell you right now, it's not going to work. Okay, I don't think that Christian can draw the interest of. I'm not just saying this because I don't like him either, not as much as Jeff does. But I mean, 
I <laughs> I just don't see him, a guy his age, and the fact that there was talks of him going into the, the WWE real, Hall of Fame. The guy his age, the guy his moveset, the guy who ever <laughs> saw a dime. There's a lot more to it than just the guy his age. No, no, I know it but, is. Because, I mean, it doesn't matter about age now because, hey, guess what? Guess what? It, it may not be Brock Lesnar against Bobby Lashley. It may be Goldberg against Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam. That is on the table also. Don't you do it. That is going down. That is. We have to go there because we have we have to go there because if we if we transition from AEW to WWE now, a lot has gone on in the past week. If you really think about it, one garbage train to the other. A lot has gone on with the anticipation of you know Edge is coming back and on July 16th he came back early. Sasha's coming back July 16th. She may come out this Friday. John Cena is supposed to come back the 16th. He may come out this Friday. The unpredictableness of WWE right now is is kind of the the big talk and the big thing that happened yesterday was let's take Drew McIntyre and let's have him win to get into the money in the bank. So now there's Drew McIntyre, Big E, Ricochet, John Morrison, and Riddle in the money in the bank match. Obviously, all signs point to McIntyre to win just because of how he's been booked since he beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Actually, since he won the Royal Rumble about how he's been booked. So, for for him to go How into... How useless would it be? How useless would it be for a guy like Drew McIntyre to have it? It's just as pathetic as when Brock Lesnar had it. And just as pathetic when John Cena won it. And just as pathetic, in my opinion, even when Randy Orton won it. At that time, Randy Orton was like a 10-time champion when he won the briefcase. The yeah. briefcase should be held for somebody maybe prior champions, okay... But nothing more than a two-time champion, and that's what Drew is. I know Jeff was sweating when he thought that um, uh, Damian Priest was going to go over against Matt Riddle in that first match to open Raw last night. I mean, that was really interesting. I mean, I really thought so, too, because even if Damian Priest won, he would have took the pinfall in the triple threat match, but I really thought that he was going to go over because I still thought he was injured, but I saw him, and I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, this is interesting. But it's... Go ahead. Oh, I just said he sucks. That's oh, <laughs> no, but end of diatribe. Right? No, no, but but for WWE to pull to to pull the trigger and put him into the match, it kind of throws off the match flow, in my opinion, because all eyes are going to be on if he can win the match. Because right now he's he's probably the the Vegas favorite if we're betting on this, just because of his reputation. Even though I don't think he will win, because I do think. See, this is what I think is going to happen. If if Bobby Lashley actually fights Goldberg, like it's on the table, and if that actually happens, obviously Bobby's going to win. All right, so that's a waste of a match. So that still leaves Brock Lesnar. Maybe Brock will get involved with the money in the bank, cost Drew the match, and set that match up for SummerSlam. I would see Bob. I would see Brock versus Drew at SummerSlam. That's fine. But I would want to see Brock yeah, go over. No, no, no. Singles match. Brock over goes over on Drew McIntyre. I would pay to see that. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think Drew could really take one of those kind of losses because he's been taking a lot. Not anymore. Not anymore. Well, he's he, he could have if he a few months ago. He has been kind of getting the yeah. Roman Reigns treatment recently. Like, right? I mean, if you really think about it, he's trying to get shoved down people's throats. I mean, granted, he's he's lost. Uh, to Bobby Lashley, but I mean that's because Bobby Lashley's having a dominant run as a champion, something that's ten times better than McIntyre, in my opinion. But 
I think I just hope that doesn't get to the point where he gets forced down our throats and maybe McMahon having him being in that match could be a start to it. So yeah, I, I mean, I there's. Guess I'm just hard to like really figure out where they're going with all this because it, it's so all over the place, and, and the only constant is McIntyre, and everything seems to revolve around him still, and it really shouldn't because guess what? Who you know who loses out on all this? Bobby Lashley. Yeah. He's the oh, champion. I was gonna say We're talking about something else other than the championship. Exactly, and now there's. Now there's three spots left in the Money in the Bank match, so then we got to really think about who who's going to get those three spots, right? Do you think Cesaro's a shoe in for one? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, so I mean, yeah, his stuff with Seth is probably coming to a head because we know him and uh, Edge are going to get into it at some point. Yeah, so I mean, the ri- the writing's on the wall. I've seen the writing on the wall and talking smack this past Saturday. Yeah. The writing's on the wall is Rollins is going to cost Edge, so we all knew that now. But to fill out the rest of this money in the bank card to make it believable that that Drew cannot win, like to I mean, besides Drew McIntyre, out of all the guys in it right now, I would say probably Big E would be the one that that would win it if it's just those five guys. But again, there's three more people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love. You already Rick- have all your your as Jeff say your flippy dippy guys, your ladder spot people. Yeah. Now you need a couple monsters and then somebody else. Obviously, who's going to win it thrown in there. So, Yeah, but, you need uh, legitimate talent to go in there. You can't just have the same thing over and over again. It's not the X yeah. Division Championship. You don't need the same type of wrestler. You need, <laughs> right. Right. You need different yeah. types of people. Not for nothing, like, you know, as much as I don't give a flying fuck about Damian Priest, he'd be good in a match because at least he's a different size wrestler. He would be. He would well, that's be. why I, I was convinced when I seen him in there at the start. I was like, "Oh, this is this is good." I mean, for me, you guys know I like him. Um, so I, I was thinking, and I'll then of course, so, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, mean I, I don't understand why you're going to put a guy like Drew McIntyre in that match. I know, and it never works. It never puts anybody over when you put somebody that big over in a match that's really meant to put over somebody important. Yeah, someone that you're yeah. trying to push. Drew McIntyre, we're getting Burke here, and uh, Ricochet is going to end up winning this. <laughs> oh God! I mean, I mean a, a, you know, we got a snow fl- uh, snowball's chance in hell here, but I don't you know. know they're, I'll, they're I'll trying to push it a little bit. But, but, I mean, his, yeah. I mean, last night his match with John Morrison, it was very good. It went two commercials. It was a good match, and that spot yeah, at the end, like, that spot out of the ring, yeah, the barricade, and like they just went. Uh, some other dimension. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they 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 went down like the tunnel in Mario. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But no, I mean <laughs> that, <laughs> that. Yeah, that was a good match. He looked good. I mean, he he worked well with Morrison. I mean, that's going to be interesting going into that match because again, those two guys can work the ladder well. You got Big E with the power. You got Riddle, who's like kind of like a mix of both. And now you got Drew McIntyre. So I mean, it's yeah. it's 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 well, just Biggie a. Well, Biggie and Drew McIntyre would be nice to see those two guys beating the shit out of each other. Like I'm cool with that. Yeah. But how much of that are you actually going to get in the match? Uh, probably not a lot. Probably in... not a lot. No. You'll get that stare down because that's what everybody wants, and then somebody, yep. two other heels, will break them up. Yeah. You know the classic yeah. trope. You know, see it all the time. 
Yeah, it's it's a tale as old as time. You'll have the two guys meet in the middle with everybody out of the ring, and then you, you get the crowd to stand up, and Michael Cole will be like, oh, look at this size. This is the match that we wanted to see and all that shit. And, you know. Uh, and then they'll tease. Yeah. And now also what they're doing is July 9th is going to be the last uh, show from the Thunderdome, even though the Raw for the 12th is going to be taped this week. So the last show in the Thunderdome is going to be July 9th, and then the 16th they're going to go live. So, I mean, I can just assume the 16th... Stone Cold didn't just walk in the room. I just broke a glass. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, uh, the, the SmackDown on June 16th, is, I mean, July 16th is going to be... It's going to be balls to the wall, gas, foot pedal, on, foot on the gas, just ready to go. I mean... That and the Raw after Money in the Bank, we may see a return a return of Becky Lynch, possibly. Yeah. Is that really what you're talking about? What's up? Is that really what they're talking about, Becky Lynch back already? No, I'm just saying you never know because I mean, look, look at the women's division, how stagnant it's been. We had the we're we're back on the repetitive control of, of of Charlotte. Uh, and Rhea. Goddard superhero going on right now, or, you know, whatever. Like, you know, the Alexa Bliss thing, that's just going nowhere. Uh, that's bad know. now. You've got, you've got Dewdrop and, 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 uh, Limelight or whatever, <laughs> you know, like, you know, I mean, come on. Dewdrop and Eva Marie, and it's, it's, it, it's just not good. You know what I mean? Mm. You know what's really weird right now, Alex? I'm getting vibes of like when I first started doing this by myself, just sitting in the room talking to myself. It's not bad. Yeah, but at least it's better. Yeah, at least at least you guys are actually on the phone, so that's good. It'd be weird if I was just talking oh, to myself. But oh, I just grabbed not paying attention. I just grabbed a beer that I had sitting on the counter from yesterday that I forgot to throw out, and I just victory sipped it, thinking it was my other one. Oh, not good. <laughs> So, yeah, well, at least you didn't just smash a freaking glass on the ground as soon as you walked in the door. <laughs> so, top. next week, guys. Yeah, right? Next week's a big week because we we are going to be having the return of the wrestling satchel. We didn't do one in June because uh, we had the interview with uh, Fred today. So, everybody out there, mark your calendars. Next week, our next episode, we're going to be coming to you with the wrestling satchel. And obviously, the wrestling satchel is meant for you, the listener, to ask us any question about professional wrestling, past, present, or even future. You know, so I mean, you've had over a month to think of questions, so we'll take all the questions you have again next week. Wrestling satchel. Um, I just want to say that I went to the toys, the toys, the Tom's River Comic Con this past Sunday, and I had the opportunity of meeting Jimmy Hart, and he was an awesome guy. And uh, he took one of our business cards, and we talked a little bit. And he's like, he's like, is that Macho Man on your arm? I'm like, yeah. He goes, that's he goes, that's cool, man. That's cool. He he was a very soft spoken guy, but I want to, I what I, what else I got from that is Jeff, you can sell the fucking kids, man. You can sell the toys to the kids, dude. Thank you. Every Thank I, I'm you. I'm passing out business cards. I'm standing behind Jeff, and he has like these two kids that are coming up. Just going through his loose bin and just taking like every fucking figure. You guys like the kid with the mohawk? Oh yeah, the kid with the mohawk. The mohawk spent like two hundred dollars at my booth. It was wild. Not to be confused with Murderhawk. That's the guy that we met on Saturday, right, Tom? Yeah, we met Murderhawk on Saturday, 
And uh, that, oh. that's another guy that wanted to come on the show to talk. And you know, we're gonna be we're gonna be releasing new uh, interviews eventually when when people agree to come on the show. But I mean, that's just you know, that's the business. You know what I mean? You never know what's gonna happen. But I, it was really cool being at that show, Jeff. Because I mean, I, I think I told you I was like, I never really understood how many people collect. And it's just yeah. people of all ages. You know what I mean? People of all ages, man. At the end of the show, I had a gentleman walk up to me. He was probably around like 75, probably. He was an older guy. But he was there just hanging out, looking around, and, you know, he was having a great time. And then there were kids that were like five years old buying up all my wrestling figures. There's, you know, me. I'm like in my mid-30s. So... It's awesome to see, like, that kind of environment, that type of crowd. It's really nice. Like, that was my first time doing that Tom's River show. I already signed on to do August because I had such a blast. And it also helps that it's five minutes up the road. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it was a really good vibe. It's a really good time. It's a nice environment. It found a lot of cool stuff. I ended up buying a couple things, too, at the show. So... You know, if you guys are if you guys are a collector, you know, or even if you like wrestling in general, you want to be open minded about this stuff. Go down to any kind of local show. It helps local businesses. It helps people, and you get to meet like minded people as well, which is always a good sign. Always support independent yeah. wrestling, and we said that on our special episode on Saturday when we were talking about Invictus Pro Wrestling, where you know we drove an hour in like five minutes, but I mean we drove up. Knowing that we would have had a good time, knowing that it would be awesome to see local wrestling, and it was. I mean, it was an awesome time being that close. You know, what I mean, actually talking to some of the talent, you know, during the intermission and even after, and us handing out our cards and talking to them, it, it was really cool to get, you know, their perspective on some stuff. And I mean, the fact that Jeff's gonna be wrestling on August fourteenth. I mean, we're gonna devote a lot of time to that, and Jeff's gonna talk about how that was, and you know, all the shows that we're doing, and. You know, we're 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 catching a lot of steam and you know, it's just, you know, thanks to you the listener. So I mean, you know, the future's bright for us, you know, but in the meantime, I mean as always you can find us on social media or on Facebook at Sunset Flip Radio and Instagram at Sunset Flip Radio, Twitter at Sunset Flip Radio, you can email us at Sunset Flip Podcast at gmail dot com. Yes, again we have shirts for sale, twenty dollars a shirt, you can contact us through our social media if you live close we can deliver one to you and we can just talk the shit about wrestling if not 20 bucks plus shipping uh jeff you want to talk yeah yeah 30 30 bucks if you're a christian fan and no that does not include stickers that's just a fucking t-shirt plus shipping uh jeff what sh- what not shows if you're a christian music fan if you'd like creed but you know still <laughs> yeah, or or if you or if you can make a homemade shirt for Jeff that he can wear to his wrestling event on August fourteenth, that is some type of Christian related. We'll knock ten dollars off the shirt for you. But but uh, no, oh but Jeff, what what do you what do you have planned for uh, shows coming up for Noise Toys? Okay, so I have a lot lined up. Uh, huh, huh. No, but that's all the time we have today, folks. Yeah. <laughs> So July 17th, machines are rolling. <laughs> July 17th, Titan Championship Wrestling. I'll be setting up there, bringing all my wrestling-related figures to that show. August 9th is going to be the Tom's River Toy Show. Then I have um, September. 
uh, September 18th at the ECW Arena. Oh, that's the big one. Sunset Flip Radio. Yes. We're all going to be there. That's going to be dad. Live. Matt Hardy. Everybody's going to be there. Recording a live episode also. Yep. Then we got September 25th and 26th. We're going to be at Oaks, Pennsylvania for RetroCon, which is a phenomenal vintage toy show. Then... I got October 22nd, 23rd, 24th, Baltimore Comic-Con, which is the biggest show that I've done and I'm very stoked about. And I got November 7th, Super Jersey Comic-Con. Wow. That's going to be in Homegrown, New Jersey. So I am back on the road doing this shit full-time and kicking ass and taking names. And today, I just bought um, the original 10-back Ninja Turtles, a tub full of LJN, and a tub full of Hasbro. What you oh, need, Hasbro? Yeah. Oh, look. I talked to you about the Hasbro's already, but I mean, Je- I mean, there's really no excuse for you not to hit Jeff up as far as buying any toys of, of the past, of the present. Cards he has, toys, uh, yeah, Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, comics. So I mean, the guy has everything, right? The guy literally has everything. So. No, but I mean, I just want, I, I just want to stress more about September eighteenth. Now we're going to be uh, working the table, I guess you can say, with Jeff, and it's going to be us and him, more him than us, but we'll be there, obviously, handing out yeah. our handing out cards. We'll have our banner up. We'll be doing live shows. We'll be talking to the fans. We'll, we'll be selling our stickers. we'll be selling our shirts. We'll be having stickers. You never know. Would one of these wrestlers will Booty come by? Apples, we have those too. Yeah, if one of the wrestlers. Oh man, Magnum condoms for my Magnum dong. <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> yeah. If one of these wrestlers come by our table and they talk to us, they talk to us. If a random fan wants to talk to us that supports and, and listens to our podcast, you will be on the podcast with us. I guarantee oh, that. So we're still figuring out how we're going to record it. We have some ideas, and maybe on a cell phone, which is perfectly fine because that's good audio too. But I sh- yeah, I can't we stress. Did. We just gave it a little test run for our special episode. We did, but I-, I think that I can say for all three of us that we can't stress enough that September 18th. If you're a wrestling fan, if you're a collector, it doesn't matter what you are. You have to be in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at this show. It's going to be a ridiculous show, and you get to hang out with us, and you can stay and watch oh, the wrestling wait. after too. Oh, so Jeff, oh, yeah. and um, hopefully we don't run into that other 2300 wrestling podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, the guys with Keith from South Jersey. Uh, oh, I can yeah. guarantee you one thing. I'm bigger than all of them, so we'll be all right. <laughs> no, we yeah, got... These guys look like they live on Mountain Dew and like sugar. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll be coming back to you next week with the wrestling satchel. Please get your questions ready. We'll make a post about where you can post your questions. In the meantime, we are Sons of Flip Radio. As always, I'm your co-host, the $100 man, Thomas Lisey. Always join the most handsome dad and daughter on the phone, Mr. Alex Drayton and and Julia and Mr. Wonderful Jeff Noyes. We are Sons of Flip Radio. We are out for today. But guess what? This episode is not over because as soon as we are done talking... Me and Jeff, special interview today with Fred Rosser of New Japan Pro Wrestling. If you don't know his real name, you may know him as Darren Young from the WWE. So sit back, enjoy the interview. Once again, we're Sunset Foot Radio. Peace, love, and wrestling, and always take care.
All right, so welcome back to Sons of the Flip Radio, your number one podcast for the art and sport of professional wrestling. As always, I'm your co-host, the $100 man, Thomas Lisi. Always join Mr. Wonderful Jeff Noyes. Jeff, what's going on? What's up, everybody? How you doing today? Pretty good. We're all pretty good today because we have a special guest in the house. Ladies and gentlemen, today we, are, we have New Japan pro wrestler Fred Rosser on the podcast. Fred, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, early to bed, early to rise. Uh, when we communicated about doing this interview, mm-hmm. uh, 9 a.m. is a perfect time for me personally. Uh, yeah, I always say when I do these podcasts, don't die with the story and you tell it. So however I can share my story with the masses, I'm going to do it. And I appreciate the support from you guys uh, contributing to the Block the Hate movement that's going to be running wild with New Japan uh, August 14th, our big show at the LA Coliseum, The Torch. I haven't been able to sleep hardly because I've just been so excited. Mm-hmm. The one thing about me when I do these podcasts, I kind of get scattered brains, so you guys got to keep me on track. But uh, again, thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. So <clears throat> before we talk about professional wrestling, can you just give our listeners a little bit of the background of the Block the Hate? And what and what it's all about? Yeah, you know, um, the block tape movement started with me uh, being the first openly gay WWE superstar to come out publicly. But it's just more than a LGBTQ movement. It's a movement for anyone that gets bullied in the silence. And my block tape movement is so near and dear to my heart. And it uh, keeps running because during the pandemic, I was doing Zooms before the pandemic, I was hitting the schools. I don't just, I don't just talk about it. I actually put in the work, you know, when I first came out, I didn't think my story was a big deal until of all people, the icon share reached out to me and said, because of her hearing my story, one of her friends who's a big wrestling fan came out to his family. So she thanked me and it was that, and it was that minute that I realized that my story was a big deal. And I always say uh, LGBTQ athletes that come out, they have a duty to instill confidence in our youth and to lead by example. So my work on my social media speaks for itself. I'm constantly hitting the schools. I'm constantly hitting the Zooms, uh, speaking to the masses. There's there's 7 billion plus people on this planet. So there's a, there's a lot of work for me to continue to roll up my sleeves and fight the good fight. That's awesome, man. And um, if anybody doesn't know about Block the Hate Movement, please do your research. It's a great thing that uh, Fred's doing. So, Fred, I was doing my research, and you're a Jersey boy. Born and raised, Dirty Jersey. That's, that's yeah. what, you used to, what, what you used to say. Oh, I'm from Dirty Jersey. Uh, yeah. yeah born, <laughs> born and raised, born and raised uh, about 20 minutes from the George Washington Bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, hardly, hardly home, but I'm always repping. Uh, New Jersey. I live out here in LA. Been out here uh, August 2017 uh, before my release from WWE because I know nothing lasts forever. I've got to make moves with the acting, commercials, whatever, whatever, whatever it is in the entertainment business that I want to uh, conquer. And I always say, just, just because moves aren't being announced doesn't mean moves aren't being made. So I'm constantly grinding, constantly working. Uh, the uh, the nickname Mr. No Days Off is not a gimmick to steal from Chris Candido. No gimmicks yep. needed here. Uh, it's a it's a lifestyle of constant grind, struggle, and hustle. So um, yeah, 
And you can tell that you're definitely one of those no days off kind of guy, you know, you with the build and the ability in the ring and everything like that and the social media presence, it's uh you can definitely tell that you're definitely that constant grind and that's a beautiful thing, man. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's a lifestyle that is a lifestyle I live by. You guys live by. You guys are up. Well, I'm I'm West Coast time. What time are you guys? We're um, East Coast. Well, we're actually we're, well, we live right on the Jersey Shore, so okay. three hours ahead. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So me, I'm up grinding away. You guys are doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So, what, so I want to ask you, what got you into professional wrestling, and when did you decide that you want to be a professional wrestler? Man, uh, I've been a fan since I came out my parents' my parents' womb, my mom's womb in 1983. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was a huge fan that got me into it, and I was just so captivated. You know, back in the 90s, um, my living room, the TV situation was set up. One TV had Monday Night Raw, the second TV had WCW Nitro, and the third TV in my living room had Monday Night Football. So (laughs) we were watching it all. We were watching it all. The Monday Night Football was actually on the black and white TV, uh, 13-inch TV. So whatever it took to watch what me and my dad truly loved, we watched it. And throughout high school, college, high school, I did backyard wrestling. uh, And... Mm -hmm. uh, I hate to say, no, it's not that. I, I appreciate everything I did in backyard wrestling. But backyard wrestling, I was a golden boy. I was, I was the best. I was carrying, I was carrying around the the suitcase. I was, I had the fanny pack around my waist. I was living it. Uh, and right out of college, um, I joined a little wrestling school in West Patterson, New Jersey, Independent Wrestling Federation, and I paid two thousand dollars of my. Uh, scholarship money that I earned in high school to pay for the wrestling school. Now I could have done the installments, 500, 250, this and that, but I paid $2,000 of my scholarship money because this was something I wanted to do. Uh, For me, there was no plan B. My plan A was WWE, but really plan B was the fire department. And it was either the fire department or WWE. And May 4th, 2009, out of 75 guys and girls from all over the world, I earned my contract with WWE. The same yeah. day that I got signed was the same day AJ Lee got signed. Um, so it was a special moment for me. And I wasn't one of those guys that played professional football and then got, and then got signed right away. I yeah. grinded on the independence from 2002 to 2009 until I got signed. And uh, as you introduced me, to your podcast, normally some interviewers will say former WWE superstar, and then that's when I'll BS with the interviewer yeah. and say, you know, I hate the word former because former sounds washed up. It sounds like I'm, I'm done, you know. Yeah. Uh, my journey with WWE didn't start in 2009. It started in 2003 when I was doing extra work, when I was told no by WWE over 40 times until I got that one yes in 2009 so my first experience with wwe was 2003 a survivor series commercial and that's when all the big guys kurt angle apa chris benoit big show they were all part of the survivor series commercial 2003 and if you youtube or google whatever 2003 survivor series survivor series commercial it was like a football type theme and you'll definitely see me in it Uh, i had a ball head at the time 
but but that's where I my journey that. started. Yeah, so if you go back, you go ahead and I was in. Uh, that's where my journey started. Oh, the word former I hate you, Japan wrestler. Um, because again, my journey started in 2003. I was grinding away, grinding away. Uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard was one of my mentors, a huge, uh, huge scout, uh, back in the day with WWE. And he, he really believed in me, Dr. Tom mm-hmm. Pritchard. Um, and then my journey just took off, you know, once I got old. And it's funny, my last wrestling got signed was against Patty V. Viscera. He's an OG. So before I even, uh, before we even wrestled, uh, we didn't say much. We talked a little bit, but after we had our match, he said, Man, boy, you're really good. And about I'm going to say eight months, you're going to be up on the road. And he was right. You know, I got signed May 4th, 2009. I stepped foot into Florida Championship Wrestling June 25th, the same day Michael Jackson passed away. It was the same day I officially started developmental. Everyone's phone was blowing up in practice. And then my journey really took off. I was the first one there, last one to leave. And uh, that kind of mindset, that mentality that I – first one there, last one leave, it wasn't overnight. It's just something that I, you know, I was taught by my mom, taught by my dad. Uh, if you're five minutes early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. If you're late, you get fired. So um, soon after my signing with WWE, Big Daddy V, Viscera was right. I, I was doing the first season of NXT with, when it was a game show that I hated. <laughs> and the rest, the rest, the rest, fellows, was history for me. Yeah, I remember some parts of the game show. I remember uh, Titus fell with the keg. I remember uh, some other parts. But you know, going back to the way that we introduced yourself, I mean, I, you know, using the word former, in my opinion, I just can't do it because you know you're a new Japan pro wrestler. You know, what I mean, you did time in WWE. Yeah, you did. But I mean, that was in your past career, so you know. We'll never throw the word out, former, describing a, a professional wrestler. We had Tito Santana on the show. You know, we never called him a former WWF Hall of Famer. We called him WWF Hall of Famer Tito Santana. So, yes. but, um, yeah, so after FCW, and, and then you said you joined, the, like, the Nexus game show. I mean, was the feeling backstage that kind of a game show feeling, or were you frustrated about that, and were the other wrestlers frustrated about that, too? Uh, when I talk about the first season of NXT, um, it remains the same. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. Ropes would be put on. Have nightmares. It was, it was that I didn't know what was happening. Uh, me, that's a juggle. I'm juggling. It's just like the fans, it took me that much longer for the fans to get serious, uh, to take me seriously. Mm. Um, what NXT is now, it's incredible. Like, look at what yeah. NXT is now. Triple H has, you know, he's he's uh, created a, a conglomerate, you know, that's amazing. Imagine if I would have debuted now. I think my story, of course, would have been a lot different, but I Absolutely. do appreciate it. I do appreciate my hiccups that I had on NXT One. I'll never forget about it. 
Um, but yeah, I couldn't stand it. You're juggling. Titus having his fall. It's just like it, it, it takes, you know, fans that are watching, they'll be like, oh, man, I'm not going to take this guy seriously. And it took me years to finally start to get over with the crowd by myself when I was with Bob Backlund, and I'm sure we'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, NXT one, I couldn't stand it. Even with the Nexus, I loved it. I loved it, but I wasn't my full self. Uh, I wasn't my complete self. I was still uh, living, living a lie on the inside. I was still closeted. And I always say that we all have those hidden inner blocks, but once you unlock those inner blocks, you get access to so Hello? 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 Sorry. Uh, oh, it's okay. Breaking up. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> no, I mean, um, Well, I wanted to ask you about the Nexus because, I mean, I think a lot of wrestling fans like myself, and I think Jeff can agree that the Nexus was such a breath of fresh air, I think, in that time of professional wrestling. And the way that it was, the way that it started and the way you guys came in, you tore the whole ring up and Daniel Bryan choked out Justin Roberts and you took out the two top guys in WWE at the time. And then you have so much momentum and so much momentum and, a lot of wrestling fans feel like, like myself, I feel like they dropped the ball with the whole Nexus aspect of what was going on. Is that, is that what do you agree with? Or do you think that the Nexus could have been done just a little bit differently? Uh, we all have our opinions about how we should have been handled. Chris Jericho is a huge proponent of the Nexus being handled terribly. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, our futures are controlled by a pencil. They can pencil you in and erase you out. And at the time, we just had to deliver. You know, Vincent Mann said to us, if it, um, if it doesn't look believable, you're going to get fired. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the other members of the Nexus can agree with me. Those are some moments that I remember him saying. Uh, and we delivered. And, yeah, we can talk about, yeah, things should have gone differently, you know. Uh, I get it all the time. Um, man, I wish you and Titus O'Neil would have held the tag team titles longer. But we did it, whether we did it 10 times, five times, or that one time. We did mm-hmm. it, and it's in the history book. So, it is, absolutely. You know, you know people, you know, I, I always say there's no such thing as a dumb question or a, or a bad interview. Um, if someone asks me the state of... Uh, our our United States. If someone asked me, what what do I think about the presidency? You know, I can only say I have to control my actions. And every day my feet touch the ground. I know someone is counting on me. I can't control what uh, the president does. I can't control what uh, WWE does. I just have to just focus on me and continue to deliver. Mm-hmm. Which no. I have to say, Nexus definitely delivered i was a big fan of nexus i love that angle when it first happened yes i wish it happened longer or maybe a couple things happened differently but like you said it is what it is and it was booked the way that it was booked 
But either way, as a fan at the time, I was really entertained and I was a big fan of uh, the group. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Recently, um, and I don't know when it's going to air, I uh, thought it would have aired in June, but back in early May, WWE reached out to me about doing a uh, Nexus documentary. And I don't know if they contacted uh, the other guys. I know when I was being interviewed, they had already got Daniel Bryan and Wade Barrett. Daniel Bryan, uh, we don't consider him being part of the Nexus. Uh, yeah, it was like a day. Yeah. yeah, Wade Barrett, he's the leader. He's the one that said it, that he doesn't consider Daniel Bryan being a part of the Nexus. So when WWE reached out to me, um, I always say, if I would have done this for the money, I would have complained a long time ago. I do it for the love and the passion. And uh, so I signed on to do the interview. They, uh, they flew out a camera crew to interview me. And as soon as I, um, as soon as the interviewer started interviewing me, I had on my New Japan jacket. And the interviewer said, oh, do you mind if you take off your New Japan jacket? I said, you know what? I'm very proud. And I said it just like this, word for word. I'm very proud of this New Japan jacket. I worked so hard for it. Mm-hmm. You guys, this year, just recently inducted Jushin Liger into the Hall of Fame. I had just talked to John Laurinaitis uh, because he was checking up on me. And he told me about a possible uh, collaboration between WWE and New Japan. So let me be me. If there's going to be a collaboration, let me be a part of that bridge to make it happen. You know what I mean? And um, the producer said, no problem. You sold me on it. So when I was asked to do this interview 10, 11 years after the Nexus, I'm again, I'm not some washed up veteran, not saying that any veteran is washed up, but I'm not someone that is like down in the slumps that isn't active. Look at me now. If you, if you want to do this interview, if you want to be, uncut uncensored this nexus documentary well how am i doing 10 11 years later i'm with new japan new japan strong represent so let me just be me mm-hmm. so uh yeah that's why i'm happy to do these interviews i'm happy to talk about my experience with wwe the ups and downs i'd be lying to you if i told you it was all you know gravy uh i've had my ups and downs uh, goods and bads but look at me now you know what i mean i'm so Wow, you have no idea. I'm a grown ass man. How old are you guys? I'm 37. Uh, I'm 36. I'll, I'll be 35 in July. So, yeah, I gotta say, um, man, you definitely. Uh, Thomas, what was that? Uh, I'll be th- I'll be 35. Wait, hold on, you guys are breaking up. Sorry. Oh, sorry, man. Uh, I'm 36. Tom's okay. 35. So yeah. we're all pretty much like you know in the same age range. Same age. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm 37. I'm a grown ass man, and like exactly. you have no idea how happy and how um, appreciative I am of New Japan really accepting me. Yes. Um, being African American, being uh, LGBTQ uh, uh, a supporter, you know, for them to accept me uh, and 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 you utilize me to the best of my ability means the world to me, and. 2020, when the pandemic was running wild on us, uh, I got match of the year with Tom Lawler, and I didn't get it because I was gay. I got it because I'm good at what I do, and yeah. me and Tom Lawler uh, uh, 
really, really connected, really connected. And the compliment said, and it would have thought that uh, someone like me would have been in the ring with him, but he realized that the minute that we touched, he knew it was going to be good. And that's the biggest compliment I can get from my peer, you know. So I've got to keep, I, I'm, I've got to keep rocking and rolling. Uh, you're only as good as your last match. So August 14th in front of a live crowd for the first time. For me, uh, New Japan, New Japan strong crowd, that's going to be my true test because I have not performed in front of a New Japan crowd. So August 14th is a huge test for me. That sounds awesome. That's awesome, well, man. August, uh, August 14th will be the first yeah. time I'm back in the <laughs> ring as well, <laughs> which would be like, you know, two years for me. But I'm not on any level of what you're on. But I agree, August 14th is going to be a great day. Yeah. But um, what I do want to say, too, is like, you know, your New Japan pro wrestling stuff has been absolutely fantastic. So it's really exciting to, you know, see you thriving there. And the other thing, too, is people going back to that whole former conversation. They will kind of just look at WWE as the only thing. It's not. There is some absolutely amazing wrestling going on all over the world right now. So it's beautiful to see another company like that like really thriving it's been around forever and now getting like still represented the proper way and that's an awesome thing hopefully that forbidden door is going to be opened up and you would be a great person to do that considering your background yeah absolutely and i say it all the time in interviews um don't pick a side don't pick aew don't pick wwe don't pick agreed don't pick NXT. Like, I, I'm a fan, like I said, since I came out the womb. Uh, I like it all. I don't watch it all. I see what goes on. Uh, Instagram and Twitter, I can get filled in uh, on what's going on. But it's very important for me personally to stay in my lane. Because the minute you veer off, that's how you can get into access. When you, when you start worrying about what other people are, are doing, for example, AEW said no to me, not once, but twice. But that wasn't my all-in goal. My goal was New Japan, and I pursued it with laser-like focus. Um, I wasn't going to take no for an answer. And it was actually, and I keep it all the time, it, it was actually this show, how this came about. Uh, I ran into Lance Hoyt September 2019 at a show in Pomona, California. And him and I go way back. Uh, to FCW, Florida Championship Wrestling, in 2010. Yeah. And uh, I ran into him, and we were just chit-chatting September, September 2019, and he was like, what's going on with you? I said, I'm doing all right, just keeping it moving. But I've always had dreams and aspirations of doing New Japan. Always intimidated in the style, though. So he said, well, you know, we're doing a show at the Globe Theater. Uh, you should come. And it was November 11th. The show started at 7 p.m. I was there at 5 p.m. And at the time, 18 years in the business, I was there at 5 p.m. I wanted to touch the ring. I wanted to be able to feel the ambiance. I watched the show from beginning to end as a fan. And that one question was rolling in my head. Do I fit in? Do I fit in? Do I fit in? A thousand, thousands of times I was watching the show beginning to end. And that one question was just, just kept rolling in my head and after after it was all said and done I said to myself after watching the show man I can hang with these guys I can I can compete with these guys and then I reached out to Rocky Romero I talked to him and I told him about my seriousness level and what, what whatever it takes if I needed to try out 
I would try out uh, whatever it takes to be a part of the New Japan Strong, New Japan family. And this was November 2019, and then 2020 hit, and then the pandemic hit. And yeah. I always say when the pandemic hit, I didn't stop. I didn't stop doing my Rocky-style workouts in the backyard. Gyms were closed. Now, I could have given up and and pushed my weight to 300 pounds like I was back in 2007, but I didn't give up. I implemented TRX. I implemented kettlebell work. I lots of jump roping, uh, high volume squats, the agility ladder, whatever it took to stay in shape because I stay ready so I don't, so I don't have to get ready. And when I was reached out to by New Japan about this opportunity with New Japan Strong, I said to um, New Japan, I said on the phone, let me get back to you. I needed to think about it. I needed to double check with my family to see if it was a good opportunity. And at the time, Everything was COVID compliant, still COVID compliant to this day because safety is important, especially when I have family. And uh, my family blessed me with this opportunity. If they would have said no, I would have probably, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. Uh, my family blessed me. And then that's when I called New Japan. I said, let's do this. And it was the best decision I ever made. That's awesome. So I want to ask you, what wrestlers growing up like influenced you to be a wrestler? Like, who did you look up to young in your career? I think we all could say Hulk Hogan, um, Shawn Michaels, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat. Uh, those were guys that you know. Hulk Hogan, he he had the crowd rocking and rolling. Shawn Michaels, Ricky Steamboat. Uh, they were, they were good when they're getting beat up, you know, you're rooting, you're rooting for them. Now you can, the difference between, at this point in my career, I watched the fans' reactions. What are they biting? What are they biting on? You know, do you want to have the fans sitting like this? Or do you want them like on the edge of your seat, you know? We want the fans on, on the edge of their soul. Had us. They had us on the edge of our seats. You know, they took us on that roller coaster ride. Still to this day, 19 years, September 11th, that I've been in this business, um, guys that I grab from, uh, gravitate uh, towards, Randy Orton, the great Muda. These are guys I watch today, not because of what they do, but how they do it, the in between stuff. Uh, I don't need to go into detail. Um, but less is more with uh, Randy Orton. Less is more with the Great Muda. Great Muda is very slow and methodical. Yeah. But when he body slams you and hits the ropes, he explodes with that elbow. Those are little details that I like to take and I brought to New Japan to make my own. Tom Hanks, one of my favorite quotes, he says, you're dope if you don't steal from the greats. So the minute I heard that years ago, I'm like, man, I like that. You're dope if you don't steal from the greats. So I'm stealing from Shawn Michaels. I'm stealing from Ricky Steamboat. I'm stealing from Randy Orton, the great Muda, a uh, plethora of other guys, Brad Armstrong, a lot of underrated guys that don't get the credit that they deserve. Um, I still say to this day, I'm like a madman. Kevin Kelly, Kevin Kelly, one of our announcers for New Japan Strong, he, 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 I feel like he knows me better than 
anyone, especially when it comes to commentary, because he'll say, you know, you know, Fred Rosser just got this win, but he'll sit back and he'll watch this footage and see how he can improve. That's the kind of wrestler he is. I'm saying to myself, oh, how do you know that? How do you know that, Kevin <laughs> Kelly? That I'm going to be sitting back and dissecting my work because he just knows. He just knows. And during this whole pandemic with no fans, he has really, he has really elevated me. He has really helped me tell my story on commentary that I'm more than just a wrestler. I'm an advocate. You know, I put in the work. So props to Kevin Kelly, uh, Alex Kozlov. Uh, for making me look like a million bucks with no fans, you know, because they're just as important to the action as we are. The referee is important. The commentators are important um, to really tell that story. Yeah, I think. How, the, how uh, difficult is it? I'm sorry, Tom. No, no. How difficult is it for you to transition from no fans to having fans to get over? Like, what was the difference in that with you? You know. For me, I'm always nervous before I hit the curtain. Always nervous. Always, always, always nervous. So once I hit the curtain, uh, the nerves go away. Uh, my focus is the cameras. You know, the cameras yeah. are going to pick up everything. There's no fans. Yeah, when I hit that curtain, it's cameras and my opponent. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I don't need to look around. What do I need to look around for? My, yeah. my issue is with the opponent. You know, mm -hmm. I'm talking crap. I'm talking crap to my opponent. Um, for me, for me, it's been easy. It's been easy because you know whether it's virtually on me and Tom Lawler as match of the year. That's again like my biggest compliment for the fans, the fifteen thousand or so, um, uh, and TJP. Uh, he always busts my balls. Uh, he's like, uh, and again, I'm very like calm, cool, and collected, very shy backstage. I'm not a loud guy in the locker room. But TJP is like, you know, 15,000 or so fans voted on you and Tom Wall match of the year. You got to be proud of that. And I'm like, TJP, yeah, I know. I know. He's like, you're the John Cena of New Japan Strong. I said, TJ, stop, <laughs> man, stop. Stop. This is how I am. I'm just like this, that, you know, just shy and just but as soon as it's go time, I'm like, boom, I'm ready to go. But yeah, that's the biggest compliment, man. So fans are no fans. But like I said, August fourteenth and on, uh, with with fans in attendance fourteenth and the sixteenth, uh, so far, that's the true test for me, you know? I'm either gonna sink or I'm gonna swim. So that 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 is something that is is keeping me up at night, you know. Uh, what 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 am I gonna do, you know? And I'm gonna prepare. I'm gonna prepare Matthew McConaughey, and I've got to go back to uh, non wrestlers. Some of my biggest influences, I just said Tom uh, Tom Hanks, Matthew McConaughey. When it comes to roles, he says, you know, he prepares for the roles the best of his ability. So when he is on set, he can play, he can have fun, you know, he's already prepared, he's already done his homework. Yeah. I take that same philosophy. I've got to prepare uh, physically. So when I get in the ring, I'm not worrying about, oh, if, if I'm going to blow up or something like that, I'm going to be sucking wind. Yeah. I, I don't want that, you know. 
I wanna I wanna be breathing. I wanna worry about my condition. You know, so I wanna go in there prepared. So like Matthew McConaughey says, come in there prepared so we can play. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's great. So I'm looking back. And, you know, I, I always try to, we always say on our, on our podcast, you know, underrated wrestlers. And I feel like you, during the WWE run, that a lot of people know you for, definitely fit that bill. And then once you and Titus kind of, you know, you won the tag team titles and then, you know, you won your singles run, you were, you were paired up with Bob Backlund. And the whole gimmick of the, you know, make Darren Young great again. What did, what did you think of that? And, like, when you first heard that idea of working with Bob Backlund, was that something that struck you? Like, okay, this is going to be a good thing? Okay, well, if I can go back, Titus and I, um, you know, this is something I've always wanted to do. I did the independence. Titus, he went from football straight to uh, Florida Championship Wrestling. He got signed right away. And a lot of people uh, give the football players – a bad rap because, oh, they didn't put their time in the independence. Uh, but I was working with Titus. When he came in, uh, when he came into Florida Championship Wrestling, the developmental, two weeks into his training, he had gotten to a little scuffle with this one wrestler, Lennox McEnroe. Lennox McEnroe, a, a, a real fight. And I said to myself, man, I'm going to stay far, far away from Titus O'Neill. <laughs> And then fast forward to us training. I was, again, like I said, I'm always the first one there, last one to leave. And that's how I was with Titus. I was working with the big man, helping him out. And I told him the same people that are crapping on you are going to be kissing your butt years from now. Again, I've got to keep it PG. I've got babies around. Um, so that's why I'm <laughs> using, you know, the same people that are crapping on you are going to be kissing your butt. And they are, look at him. He's a global ambassador right now, still yep. continuing yep. to make moves. I'm so proud of him. But I always say, uh, I was the workhorse. Everyone says I was the workhorse of the group. Titus was the businessman. Titus, uh, Titus would uh, book all the hotels. We'd get some free hotels. We'd get some hotels for 50 bucks a night, nice hotels. So Titus was the businessman. I was the workhorse. And I always say the most intimidating thing about Vince McMahon is his office door. Once you get through his office door, the sky's the limit. And Titus was very, he was very aggressive in a good way. There would be times when him and I would just bust in the office. I'd be like, hold on, big man, let's have a game plan first because he's going to be yapping away. I'm going to be nervous, not knowing what to say. Let's have a game plan first. So that's the one thing I learned about Titus, you know, closed mouths don't get fed. If we didn't have anything on Raw, he'd bust in the office, hey, boss, what you got for us, you know? Mm -hmm. if, we didn't if we didn't have anything, uh, when the app became popular, the WWE app became popular, we were always on and always on and always on. And there would be times when I'd be like, man, I don't want to do this app. I just want to wrestle. I want to wrestle. But now that I look at it, I said, man, Titus, man, Titus is spot on, you know, and that's why I say that when he was busting Vincent Man's door, that helped me out in the long run. Uh, really talk to Vincent Man about the about teaming with Bob Backlund and how that came about. Um, tag teams don't last forever. Titus and I, yeah, we broke up, we made up, we broke up, we made up. So I said to myself, man, after I'm done teaming with Titus, I'd like to have something like. I like to have like a manager type life coach because 
I've done several appearances with Bob Backlund and I like to do my autograph signing standing up. I like to get personable with the fans. It gets very tiring when you're up and down, up and down taking mm -hmm. pictures. If I'm doing an autograph signing for two hours, I'm standing. I'm getting I'm getting the best pictures possible. And when I look to my right or my left, wherever Bob Backlund's at, he's doing the same thing. Uh, we're like strange bedfellows. He's very energetic. I'm very calm, cool, and collected, like like Bob Marley. Um, and I, that's how I said to myself, man, after I'm done teaming with Tyson, so I'd like to have him as like my life coach. And I kind of took the idea from Mike Tyson and his former trainer, Casamato, mm -hmm. uh, because he was just like, Mike Tyson was just laser-like focused. Everything Cus said, Mike did. Um, so I took that idea. I, I found a photo of Casamato and Mike Tyson together. And at the bottom of that picture, it said focus. So I had a friend make up a graphic of me and Bob Backlund. Same, same thing, me and Bob together. And at the bottom, it said focus. So I took that visual, I wrote up a storyline, and then that's when I knocked, I didn't knock on this, I did not. I knocked on this man's door, and I came in, and we talked for 20 minutes. Uh, we talked for 20 minutes about the storyline, but most importantly, we talked about yoga. And I remember Vince saying, he, um, he leaned over, and he said, man, how do you get such a big barrel chest like that? And I said, yoga. <laughs> I said, yoga helps fix your posture a lot of us we might be slumped over but yoga kind of fixes your posture so everything is upright yes. and uh, he was very intrigued by it uh, i guess he had never done yoga at his age now he should definitely be doing some kind of yoga and Absolutely. stay away from weight you know what i mean so he was very intrigued by that so it was my idea to team with bob backland as my life coach not a manager but my life coach and he loved the idea. He loved the idea. Again, I'll never say a bad thing about Vincent Mann because he gave me that opportunity. It's just unfortunate that people that work under him didn't have my back. Yeah. Back in the 80s, back in the 80s, it was just Vincent Mann and Pat Patterson booking everything, you know. Now it's Vincent Mann and eight, nine, ten, eleven writers and producers. And if someone doesn't like you, you know, stuff's gonna get flipped and switched around. And I always say, you know, I did my thing as a Nexus member. I did my thing as a primetime player. Now I'm finally in, and I'll always throw back or I'll have Flashback Friday where I'll post it. My last feud in WWE was against The Miz. And finally, like, the people mm -hmm. are finally getting behind me. I have footage of the people rooting for me. Uh, and I love to throw it back because it means the world to me that I had created something that the fans were really getting behind. And again, like I said, it's unfortunate that, you know, the people that work on the Vincent Man didn't have my back. So uh, I'm still very cool with Bob. I still talk. Uh, close to, yeah, it was my idea. I wish I could have. I was you all show me uh, three to work out in the ring, and a few times Bob almost choked me out if I didn't drop my chin. <laughs> 
he would have choked me out. I'm like, Bob, he's trying to choke me out. We just rolling around in the rain. And he's just, Bob is Bob. Um, but those are experiences I'll never forget. And I talk about, you know, people say, oh, I wish it would have worked. I wish it would have worked. Well, like I said, you know, when you have Triple H saying that I can't use a cross-faced chicken wing because it's a dangerous hold, it broke my heart, you know. He said, uh, "We, you know, we want you to use the Cobra Clutch. And I said, ugh. Yeah. If I wanted Sergeant Slaughter as my life coach, I would have Sergeant Slaughter yeah, as my exactly. life coach. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so when I'm told that I can't use a cross-faced chicken wing because it, it's a dangerous hole, it broke my heart. But what was happening was uh, he was saving the hold for Oscar, the Oscar yeah. lock. So, and I remember the Miz coming into the locker room one time and he said, uh, he came running over to me and he said, man, you wouldn't believe, I don't watch NXT, but I was watching it and I saw Oscar using the Oscar lock, which is like a cross-faced chicken wing. And I said to myself, I freaking knew it. I freaking knew it that, That's you hard. know, the whole the hold was being saved for someone. So when I get asked all the time, like, uh, how come it didn't work? How come it didn't work? My back is against the wall. I've got to defend myself. As Mr. Man says, put your hands up. Put your hands up when you're fighting. I've got to. Yeah. yeah. I actually think that it did work out personally because I thought that it was a great angle having you two put together because, like, polar opposites, man, they work. They absolutely yes. work. So, yes. like, I, it, to me, being a fan watching it, you know, it's like, how the hell are you going to put Darren Young and Bob Backlund together? And how is this going to make any sense? And then I was watching, I was like, oh, I completely get it. This is like the greatest thing. Um, so, is Bob as crazy as he seems? You know, Bob, he, um, when, he's a red light kind of guy, you know, <laughs> when we're filming stuff, well, when anyone is filming stuff backstage that is kind of pre-taped, sometimes the pre-tapes, you know, you might have to do it seven, eight, nine, ten times, but the beauty about Bob is if you don't get it in the first take, I don't know what to tell you, because that first take, <laughs> he's giving it his all, when He's giving it his all when he gets fired up, you know. So I loved it. If you don't get it, it seems guys, like he's you know? always on. Yeah, like, it seems, seems like he's, like ready he's to always go. Bob Backlund. Yeah, you know, Bob. You know, Bob is very when the red light's on, he's on. But when it's not on, he's very, he's very reserved. He's very like when you see him doing this, that means he's very excited, you know. Yeah. He's doing this with his hands uh, on, and you see Bob's eyes and. And and he's like doing this, like he's he, you know, he's he's ready to go. I'm yeah. like, guys, we got to get this in the first take, you know. So yeah, Bob is very reserved. Um, I remember Bob uh, when we were together. Bob liked driving by himself. I said, Bob, just drive with Titus and I. We, we we've got the hook up with the hotels and all that stuff. So a couple of times he decided to drive with us. We convinced him, and I do all the driving. Titus books everything. And I remember Bob sitting in the back seat and he was like, uh, he was like, he had his head like watching my driving, you know, watching my driving, you know, making sure that that's safe. So after a 300 plus mile drive, uh, I said, Bob, you know, how's my driving? Uh, and he's right down the middle. Right down the middle. <laughs> very good. Very good. Drive. 
he he said that I'm the only guy to have ever kept up with his squats. So Bob was uh, in his mid 60s at the time, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he could. I'm sure he could have done a lot more, uh, but he said I'm the only guy to be able to keep up with his conditioning squats. You know, so that meant the world to me because mm-hmm. I pride myself, like I said earlier, about being conditioned. Um, so those are some of the great stories that I always remember with Bob. Yeah. Uh, him talking about my driving, him uh, <laughs> just—it's just amazing. It's just amazing. He's still doing great. He's still doing great. Yeah, he was on that uh, collectible show recently, which is really cool that WWE does. And you saw him like still ripping out like a billion squats, which is like unbelievable. <laughs> Probably in the seventies. Wow. Yeah, and, yeah. Just unreal. He was he was like the sneaky strong guy. Like he always looked like you know big, but you couldn't. Oh, he was built. How phenomenal in shape, like fitness-wise, this guy was. Mm-hmm. So, well, he's definitely well, one like of the I said, to watch. Like I said, like I said, in 2016, however old, however old he was in 2016, <laughs> uh, 2015, when we were together, he legit, like I said, tr- almost tried to choke me out twice. I'm like, <laughs> and I tried my best. I tried my best to get out of there. As a man, right. he is strong. He is right. strong. Yeah, I, I remember the run that you had with him because I remember you won the Battle Royal on Monday Night Raw and then you had uh, yeah. the match against The Miz. And, I mean, the way that it was booked, I didn't agree with. But, you know, I'm not the one writing. But, I mean, I understand the frustration where you have Vince and, like, 10 other people underneath you. And if one person doesn't like you, then, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, we always talk about that in our podcast, that we always can feel like the writing can be better and, and stuff like that. So... Well, they just fired a woman who was a writer that they ju- that she came out and said that she never watched wrestling before. That's horrible. Did you hear about and, that? That's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And again, I hear this stuff, and I can comment online and do that stuff. But again, well, why? Like bother? I said, yeah, yeah. Why the bother? Way. I I gotta stay in my lane, you know. And like you said, don't need the to battle. Play- yeah, like, how's that going to help me, you know? Like I, like you mentioned, the battle royal, if you go back, the way it was set up, like, perfectly, like, I won the battle royal, and I'm like, oh, wow, I just I just won. And look at the crowd, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, Before the battleground, I tapped the Miz out with the cross-face chicken wing on SmackDown, but the place erupted, you know? It's just like, just look at the people. If the people, again, are like this, then it's not getting over. But if the people are cheering for me that I just tapped out the Miz, like, that's like, that means the world to me. You, you, tapped, out, pr- yeah. you tapped out the IC champ. And then, to, I mean, to me, I Jeff knows this. I said this a thousand times. I feel like the Intercontinental Championship is the greatest belt in WWF slash E history, in my opinion. Yeah. But Yes. And, uh, and the white... And the white belt, I could have had that. Yeah. And I say it all the time. When I when I first met the Miz as an extra and being signed, I couldn't stand him. I couldn't stand him. Why? <laughs> because he's the loudest guy in the locker room. He'll bust your balls. Not me personally, but other guys. But when I got to work with him, he helped me out so much with the promos. And he was rooting for me, uh, for me to beat him. Uh, you know, he could win the title back the next day or whatever, you know, but he was rude for me to 
title again. It's just unfortunate. Everyone else playing, but you know, I forget that and helping me so much, so much to this. So in my career with WWE, you know, he yeah. he was absolutely awesome, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I would have. If I if he was busting my balls, I would have said, "Hey, how was the real world when you were on it, buddy?" You know what I mean? I know, and and and, and that's the one thing I could not stand him from the real world. I could yeah. not stand him. I couldn't stand him at all. Couldn't it's funny because he actually had the gimmick, the Miz, quote unquote, while on the show. Yes, he was yes. walking around, and he was walking the, around the house holding a belt. Accomplished everything that he said he was going to do. Yep. So it, you got to respect the hustle at that. Yeah. Yes, and I'm getting and I'm getting chills just thinking about it because he's legit. You know, he, he might get uh, city to city at three o'clock at the two hotel and doing the anti campaign, the WWE. like you know. I'm sure he's tired, but man, his work ethic, his work ethic is incredible. I yeah. got so much respect for him. That's good. That's yeah. good. Well, Dan, uh, I almost called you Dan, but Fred, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, you don't want any lawsuits, you know? No, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. New Japan professional wrestler, Fred Rosser. Listen, we appreciate yeah. you coming on the show today. Uh, the insight about your movement, the insight about your past career, and what August 14th is coming. Uh, we can't thank you enough. And um, where can we find you on social media for all the fans out there? Twitter, Instagram, under my government name, not my <laughs> old name, Darren Young. We don't yeah. want any lawsuits here. No, I'm just joking. But Twitter, Twitter and Instagram, I'm a heavy hitter on, at Real Fred Roster, R-E-A-L-F-R-E-D-R-O-S-S-E-R. Twitter, Instagram. Um, I would say don't die with the story and you tell it. Thank you guys for allowing me to share my story with you guys. And thanks uh, for supporting my whole block of hate movement. It means the world to me. No, it's a great thing that you're doing. So once again, Fred Rosser, thank you so much. As always, I'm Thomas Lisi. Join with Mr. Wonderful Jeff Noyes. We are Sunset Flip Radio and we are out for today. Peace, love, and wrestling. And as always, take care. Thank you. Peace.